everybody, it's the H Word Podcast. Da, 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 da. Hi everybody, I'm Dan Byrne. I'm Becky Johnson. Still. Yep. Um, how are you doing, Dan? Doing okay. Uh, it's been a hot week. It has been. Weather report. Oh yeah, good. We forgot about the weather report. It's been really hot. I harvested six strawberries from my balcony today. I've been eating uh, uh, greens from my balcony multiple days this week. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, Let's see. But, oh, yeah, my neighbors are, kids are also screaming in the hall, which is one of my, it's been a running thing on the podcast, so get ready for that. It's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. things to experience. (laughs) Uh, I liked uh, Brandon's, Brandon Ash Muhammad had a lawnmower in the back, which was great. (laughs) It was so loud, and I could not hear it when we were recording. Um, Okay. So, how are you feeling hope-wise this week? Um, you know, uh, like, as conflicted as ever, but maybe maybe more conflicted than ever. Ah, um, I, I too. Yeah, because um, the violence seems to be increasing. Which violence? The, the violence against black people by, by police. Yeah. It seems to be increasing, um, and uh, that is. See, I. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so. It's just so hard to see. Um, but then, the 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 action that comes as a result is like even stronger, and that's amazing to see. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm really. It's. It leaves me at a loss. I can't tell words. I can't tell if the violence is increasing or if um we've just mobilized these channels so people like you and me are seeing it more. Um both options are disturbing. Yeah. Uh and that that's been one of the things that I've been really sitting in is like <sighs> thinking about technology and and I feel like we were all warned about this too, you know, about everything being kind of algorithmic and targeted that we're, we're very purposefully being kept very far apart and watching some of that stuff disintegrate with a lot, a lot of activist effort. It's disturbing to see the things that I wasn't seeing. Yes. And this is interesting because this overlaps with something I've been thinking about a lot, which is the psychological barriers to anti-racism. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. And because I guess when I think about, when I think about, you know, imagining a better world, like I, I imagine, you know, my own journey to becoming, uh, to realizing these struggles in a way that felt like I had to do something, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, wanting everyone to take that similar journey and like uh, seeing the psychological barriers in myself to viewing the suffering of black and indigenous people. Like I just wasn't. I wasn't feeling it in a way that was spurring me to action. And it's like, you know, I'm seeing articles about like, you're like, you're honestly just feeling this. And it's like, yes, yeah, I, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, you know, ashamed to admit it, but like, that's the truth. And so, uh, so, you know, it's almost like, I just want to, I just want to note the overlap between the algorithm as an external kind of manifestation of psychological barriers. 
Um, yeah, you know, the, the things we don't see. It's an important distinction because that's that is blaming something external on my part, which I think is to blame partly, but also to oh, it can be not that you're saying this, but that can be used as a deflective way to not really look inside and try to dismantle what's going on inside you. Well, yes, and I don't mean to use uh, the algorithm as um, as being responsible. I'm merely, I'm merely saying it feels analogous yeah. to the kinds of systemic um, uh, 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 practices that that suppress the desire to help mar- marginalized people. This is, um, yeah, this honestly to me feels like a lot of this week is like looking internally. I had a conversation with a female friend of mine who sort of talking about um, a former partner of hers who is still in our community that, you know, people are still friends with and how hurtful that was. And and as I was listening to this, and I've known these stories for years, I was just like, you've really helped me right now because I don't know what it is in me that even knowing this, it's like I would forget it. It's like I would forget all the terrible things that I believed that he had. I had never not believed it. Yes. So what in my brain made me forget that or put it aside when I was working with this person or when they'd show up to a party? Yeah. Like, there's an aspect of desensitization, but then there's an aspect of, like, um, feeling like the problem is too big. Yeah. Feeling like you don't have – feeling like you don't have friends – in who agree with you and so you think oh i guess we all collectively don't agree about that like it's kind of just the same journey that a lot of teenagers go on you know like you look at greta thunberg where it's like it does take this kind of childlike view to say no this is obviously wrong yeah and and i think we all to some degree you know there are some bad people or whatever but i think we all to some degree did go through that of like See, the first time you would see uh, a person experiencing homelessness, you'd be like, whoa, that is terrible. I have a house and they don't have that. You got to get it. We got to get them a house. And like, and then people just sort of collectively tell each other that growing up is being sensitized to that. Yeah. And when it comes to police, there was, I think there was something in my brain that was like, these must be accidents. Yeah. Which is, again, yeah, a horrifying thing to confront in yourself. Yeah. Especially given what we've been seeing these last weeks. But, like, yeah, also, uh, and I can't remember who tweeted this, and I'm really sorry, but it was just, like, benefit of the doubt is over. Like, I'm feeling that very strongly. I'm watching people who I know have done terrible things and, and, and smaller but not good things seem to have no personal understanding not only of what they did, but that they are capable of it. You know, I know I've fucked up. And I've always known that I might fuck up, not proudly so, you know. Yeah. But seeing people for whom this is the first moment that that notion crosses their mind, and, and like, not just people in general, but people who are close to me, who it's like, I've had these conversations with you over and over again. And I'm I'm very sorry to every, anyone who's had conversations with me over and over again that I haven't understood because I know that's happening too. But the extremity yeah. of what I'm seeing where I'm like, these are people who flat out made racist comments to me that I've said, told them to shut up about and like, or to change, who I think somehow genuinely think they aren't any part of the problem right now. And that is chilling. 
Yes, and and but but that's the that's the micro example of the macro problem. Yeah, like that is that is the large state of affairs is that people as a as a collective have not yet fully tipped the scales to admitting that their complicity in this. Yeah. And I guess and I guess that's my hopeful. Um I don't know if protests are making me feel more hopeful this week, but um my hopeful is that the number of people who are sitting in discomfort has grown. Um people are confronting more in themselves if not everybody many people and i know it can be exhausting to those who feel like they've said this a million times and it can be really traumatizing um but seeing that sort of change also seeing people jump on um policy work writing to elected officials staying on them all of these different things it's like I know this wasn't the kind of activism I was doing when I was young, but to get this much engagement globally is huge. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, that makes me think of a couple of things. I've been watching. I told you about Eyes on the Prize. We've talked about this. No. No, Eyes on the Prize. It's like a ten-part, like PBS kind of style um, series about just the history of the civil rights struggle struggle in the U.S. It's an incredible documentary because it has archive footage of people like, you know, Rosa Parks or uh, uh, Medgar Evers or this kind of thing. And then it's like, and we can also talk to them unless they've been killed. We can uh, we can talk to them in this documentary. Um, so it's it's got this living history kind of uh, feel to it, which is uh, really really amazing, and. Um, and there's a couple of them where you see like white people involved in the struggle, and it's like <laughs> you really feel the the tactile the tactile um, a sensation of representation, where you're like, oh, that's me, that's my role in this. <laughs> um, and uh, and but the way it's the way it's shown and the way it did unfold is that like there were entire stretches of time where it was like this is the summer we're calling this the summer of freedom, and it's like. We're doing the the freedom drive, the freedom ride, which was like a bus that would try and just just literally try to drive with black people across the United States, and they would they would, all sorts of problems would have yeah. arise. Um, this kind of thing, and 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 uh, when I when I was thinking about that, it's like yeah, the way time was different then, where it was like we're going to do this for a while, and I thought about the pandemic, and it's like people can't handle the fact that this is going to go longer than three months, um, and then. I'm just just maybe circle back to like this idea of like who's listening to this podcast comedian friends probably and like maybe we don't need to make jokes on social media right now like uh, I'm just starting to see social media I was talking with a friend and it was like this is kind of the similar to voting where it's like this is a little thing a little terminal in my hand that I can just cast my vote about. And he was describing the sensation of watching your timeline turn from 25 to 50% to 75% about one issue. And you're like, suddenly it's just like, yes, this is, you know, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're doing. And I just think that people who are like wanting to like be like, well, social media is a fun time. I use it for having fun. It's like, maybe we can just make this the summer that's devoted to this. You yeah, because this week to me has been watching things go back to not talking about this. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. You know, well, Breonna like, Taylor's murderers have not been arrested yet. Yeah. And I will also say this, I've been having some issues about understanding misogyny in a different way this this last week. Uh-huh. Um so overall, it's 
the straight white dudes who are back to making jokes. Yeah. And who never stopped. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not like you can't make any jokes and, and the rules are different for everybody and whatever, but that says to me, the fact that you don't want to interrupt any of your activity, you add this, but you don't stop the other stuff is how much you feel entitled to this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and how it's a, it's a small, it's a very small contribution you could make, but you have to understand that when you do something else, you are now polluting the timeline that could be dedicated and yeah, you're, you're taking up space. And is it worth it? So again, when we're talking about humor and that's, you know, what like you and I do to a certain degree, like we still need to laugh and we still need joy. Um, but like, I think it's what kind of stuff are you, are you, does it feel like this action that you're doing is just taking the heat away where the heat really, really needs to be on? Yes, you know? I agree. I, I totally agree. I'm not, I'm not trying to, yeah, blanket statement about humor because I think there is humor in this, but I have seen good ones and I have seen bad ones. Yeah. And we're ones all going to have our different yeah. sense of it. And honestly, even me engaging at all in comedy right now, I know I'm somewhere on that spectrum. Yeah. You know, I don't think that I'm making the perfect choices, but it, it's wherever you are, you can sort of look around and go, why do you think it's okay to just be back to goof, goofball nothing? Yeah, like ex- goofball nothing exactly is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, like, like there, uh, there, there is humor to be had, but it's like, just maybe we can just come together and make it about this. And it, it just reminds me of like that, that call of like, no justice, no peace. You know, it's like, we're just not going to do that stuff. We're not going to have like just straight up fun until like, until something changes. We got to do something. And also remember white people that like, you're brand new to talking about this probably. <laughs> Black people are going to have the better take. Sure. Takes. Yeah. I don't know. Takes. Well, takes, but just like also there's this sort of thing of like, well, I got one too. It's like, is it, is it worth it? Think about it. Think about whether it's worth it. And and just watching the sense of like, everything I say is worth it. It's kind of like, it's always been yuck and it's pretty yuck. Yeah, I had that. uh, 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 I had a little little full example of that this week. There was a talk um, from Think. Think prog no Toronto Progress Progress Toronto um, with uh, Black and Indigenous leaders in the city, and yeah. they were doing like a Zoom call, and anyone could watch. And um, uh, there, I was listening to it, and I was like, "There's so many amazing like pieces of stats and information that is very convincing about defunding the police." I was like, I was considering like, I want to make something that compiles these pieces of information because maybe that's something I could do. Uh, you know, cut to me still chewing on that idea, and Sandy Hudson launch- launches. Uh, defundthepolice.org today. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's exactly what that is. Like, <laughs> she's been working on this for months. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and, there's, uh, and there's also, and also, it, like, has the language and knowledge to do it faster and better. And so of that, course. that's... It's, uh, ama- it's incredible. It's, it's, it, to anyone, uh, it, to everyone, check out that website. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. But it's also that thing of, like, you know, some of the stuff I'm hearing from people of color is, like, we're always treated like, we don't know what we're doing. We're children. Everyone else knows better. Yeah. And it's the opposite in <laughs> these situations. It's the opposite. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay, that's good. We got to a more hopeful place. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, I have an interview that I did about a week ago now with Janelle Dennis. Oh, yeah. It goes all over the map. I'm super excited, and I love her a lot. Great. You want to hear that? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> all right, thanks, Becky. Bye. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dan. 
Uh, hey everybody, it's Becky. I'm back and I'm really excited to have a guest on the line all the way from Florida right now. It's Janelle Dennis. Hello, Janelle. Ooh, so exotic. Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you. <laughs> I didn't also know you were in Florida when I called you. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I casually, because I, for, I forget sometimes that I'm here. And so I'll be talking with someone. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, in Florida, like, yeah, in Toronto, isn't it crazy over there? I'm like, oh, I'm actually in Florida. They're like, what? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, where were you when I said it was 33, 34 degrees every day in April? <laughs> <laughs> well, how long have you been in Florida? Uh, since end of March. So about three weeks into the quarantine. Okay, this is a whole different thing I didn't even think we'd talk about, but like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, how is, what's Florida like right now? I mean, I'm reading the news from Florida and it seems absolutely bananas as far mm. as like coronavirus. Oh, damn. I, I feel like I'm so removed. I actually feels like I've never been to a retreat or to any type of rehabilitation thing, but it, it feels almost like that in a positive way. Um, yeah. So I'm not in Miami or Orlando or Tampa or like those well-known Florida places. Like I'm in uh, an area of, of Florida that is less well-known. So there's, you know, I'm pretty much just in the house all day, every day, except to go, except to go to the grocery store, to go to Publix. Oh, nice. The Publix. Yeah, with an X. And you're with your family. Yeah. So my my dad and stepmom just live here. But then in quarantine, my brother came back from university. And then I came. And then my sister came down. She's in med school. She was in med school in Chicago. So then she oh, came wow. down. And you were living in New York. Yes, in Brooklyn. No one was social was distancing there. <laughs> like... In March? Wow, not at oh. all. That's why, that's part of the, the reason. Because my my mom was having, well, we both were having panic attacks and, um, and and really, really bad anxiety. But my mom was having panic attacks and, you know, the symptoms are very similar to a heart attack. So right. she'd call me and I'd be like, oh my God, are you having a heart attack? Because my mom has some health issues. So I'm like, oh my God, just me being here is negatively affecting her health. And she would call me every night begging me to come back home to Toronto because, you know, I lived in an apartment with two other roommates. Uh, they were still going out. You know, I share a bathroom with one. So it's like, you, what? you can't, well, no, no, no. They weren't going out like partying, but they were going out okay. to the grocery store. And in our neighborhood, it was so densely packed and we live right beside a food town, right beside a grocery store. So that yeah. was packed like a club on a Friday night, just bumping. There was Taco Bell with crowds of people in Taco Bell. And me, I was a Taco Bell stan. So I'm like, wow, nowhere is safe. <laughs> <laughs> Not even my one, my one place of refuge. I can't even get a, a triple lupa in peace. So... <laughs> I so it was just too much like the streets were crowded because it's like it's so densely packed in the area of Brooklyn that I live in and I live on on a 
Broadway, like on a main street, the, the yep. J train is runs right outside my window. So the, all the subway stops are there. It's a high traffic area and just people weren't social distancing. I mean, some people weren't, were wearing masks, but it was crazy. And, you know, considering that most people in New York at some point, it's shown that they've had COVID at some point, like even not to put, uh, actually, no, I'm not saying the person's name, but one of my neighbors, uh, found out that they had, uh, COVID and we just found this out like a month ago or something. So I'm like, Oh my God. And he's like, well, pretty sure most of us had it at some point, like any of us who stayed. And I'm like, wow, true, true. It's a, it's a yeah. invisible, visible enemy, Me- they call menace. it. Menace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I usually get people also to introduce your, themselves. So you have a very interesting- I'm the Florida girl. The, the, Florida the, introduction, the introduction is already done. I'm Florida, Florida woman. <laughs> That's it. Done. <laughs> uh, no, but you have such an interesting, like multifaceted sort of areas of work and interest. Mm, yeah, I guess when you put it that way, I never really think of it like that. Um, so starting from the beginning, like my origin story. Well, sure. I, I like bringing up that I was born in Jamaica. I moved to Canada when I was very young. And um, yeah, currently I, in the day, I work in talent acquisition for a television network, or I guess at this point, um conglomerate i don't know if that's the word it's a a big television company um and i also do stand-up and other comedy related things on the side but man it's so hard to be funny right now are you finding that um nope (laughs) (laughs) no no i actually feel like um as a white woman, it's my moment to shine. <laughs> I should just make jokes about everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been, I mean, um, I, I felt like when I'm in my own head, I feel really um, bleak. Mm. But then when I talk to people again, I'm like, you know, it's we're confronting some very serious horrors, but those horrors were here before and we were doing comedy then. That's That's a great point. That was one that came to me yesterday. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean to quickly co-opt these stories and make jokes about them, mm-hmm. but the the understanding that our jobs are still super important. I do definitely want to give space to black voices right now, like online. Mm-hmm. So the ne- the whole rest of the episode will just be me talking and we'll edit <laughs> edit you out completely. <laughs> It'll just be like that sort of peanuts parents talk when I'm talking like <laughs> Um, yeah, how are you feeling about being funny right it, now? It, it, so, you know, when people were asking at the, at, at the beginning of the quarantine, like the whole evolution of how people would reach out. So I feel like at the beginning of quarantine, it started with like, how are you? Like our normal baseline check-in. And then mm-hmm. it evolved to, how are you doing? And then how are you doing right now? And then how are you holding up? That was my favorite one to ask other people. How are you holding up? I've absolutely up? been I've absolutely been texting that to people. <laughs> I think I I think I sent that to you. 
I don't remember Maybe. who chicken or the egg. Who said two first? I think you. I asked you how, how are you holding up, and then you said in all caps, "How are you holding up?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't usually use caps, but that's a bit more of a Kathy move. But. <laughs> yeah, and it evolved from "How are you holding up?" to then the uh, racial civil revolution that's going on right now, and it literally just went to "Are you okay?" <laughs> Yeah. Do you need anything from me? Yeah, I came full circle back to how are you? I don't really know what else to ask because the, answering that question is so overwhelming and it was overwhelming at the start of quarantine and even now. But um, as like in my day job, in my profession, it's a lot of right. It's a lot of outreach and a lot of reaching out to people who I don't know, strangers and um, trying to find talent for or behind the scenes talent for the company. So I'm like, oh my God, like I feel put on the spot now by such a simple question. I feel like I need a template. So I literally had to come up with like rehearsed answers because it was just so exhausting going through how I really am doing every single time. So, Wait, sorry, you're being asked that by people you don't know? No, no, no. Like people I know, but like also like people that I haven't talked to in a while and I appreciate them reaching out, but like, I don't, I used to get, uh, I used to get into it deeply and then it would just spawn a whole bunch of other replies where I'm like, oh, I kind of really don't want to have a conversation about this right now. And then sometimes I wanted to keep it short. So now I feel like I've I've whittled it down to a science. This is going to sound so sociopathic to anyone who is texting to me. with me. They're like, oh, oh so we just got you out of office? <laughs> they're all going to know that they got the same message? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I might as well say it now because maybe this, yep. will be, this will be the real test if they listen, if they're really listening, if they listen to this podcast. They'll know. So my answer <laughs> right now is um, – and it's a lot of like I, I – Got it from somebody else. <laughs> I'm such a piece of trash. I got it a little. No. I got it from someone else because I asked them, "How are you?" And they said, "I'm up and down." And I'm like, "Wow, that's really honest." In my head, I'm like, "That's exactly how I feel." So now I say, "I'm up and down," using the downs to fuel the ups. If that makes <gasps> sense. That's pretty close to my answer. Up and down has been my answer to people. Yeah. So that's how I've been answering. Yeah. So it's, I'm up and down using the downs to fuel, trying to use the downs to productively fuel the ups. Does that make sense? Or does that make any sense? And are then, you asking me or is that part of the answer? That's part of the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's conversational user, user experience, conversational UI. I used to, <laughs> in school, I had to, for projects, I had to build some chatbots. So using the chatbot technology on my friends. Oh man, a chat a chatbot to respond on your behalf for all these like <laughs> are you okay's right now? Like you can like if you are okay and you don't want to engage, you can use the chatbot, but then if you really want to talk to people, you can. That would be a really good gift. Oh my god, I think we're really onto something. Well, Janelle, it's your idea. <laughs> Wow. It's not my time. It's not, yeah. It's a, 2020 is, is not your year to be the entrepreneur in the face of the of the organization. So, no thanks. <laughs> nope. I feel that. 
But yeah. yeah, I'm up and down, using the downs to fuel the ups. And then sometimes I add in um, or vice versa, depending on who I'm talking to and if I think that they oh. really get it or not. Because it's true. Like using because it, it's just a way to say in less words, like when it comes to comedy, I'm using my downs or my emotional downs to try and you know get jokes to be funnier or whatever but also Mm -hmm. using my ups so my living situation right now I'm safe and healthy um I'm one of the privileged I'm privileged to still be knock on wood be making an income right now yeah um so using that to fuel using those ups to also fuel my downs I think it's very poetic I I'm, I'm patting myself on the back for this I think it's brilliant it's really good. <laughs> well, and also the using the ups to fuel the downs also feels like, you know, some of the downs are really, really bad, but some of them are also sort of rest and reflection. Mm, yeah. Which can be also very useful. Yeah, which we usually feel so guilty about. But now it's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 this is self-care. Yeah. And a lot of people who haven't had time and downtime have it now. And... I mean, I'm also speaking from Canada where, like, we've had four months of government support if you're out of work. <laughs> I know. Government not- said, let's run the people their money. Sort of. Then now Trudeau's, like, set up a snitch line and is going to, like, fine people who applied in, like, fraudulent applications for this. But it was so confusing to apply to, like... You, you couldn't know if you were committing fraud. That's just so wild that they made it a, a public thing to say, we're going to come after all of you fraudsters. Like, that's a given with any type of financial support that you're receiving from the government. So it just seems weird that they... Well, no, I mean, because it's like... But what they're doing is they're saying they're also going to find people. So it's like, so you're going to find poor people who are out of work who might have like worked too much one month. Why don't you just, when they file their taxes, ask for the money back they shouldn't have had, not oh. find them on top of that. Oh, wow. It's, I know. Things got really fucking shitty up here. Yeah. Holy, that really took a turn for. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we were doing so. Okay, ups and downs, ups and downs. Yeah, we'll use those <laughs> use those downs to fuel the. Damn, the chatbot isn't working. We gotta go back. We gotta go back and rescript. Oh no, the chatbot. <laughs> the chatbot's depressed. Oh no. Yeah, now we have to add in another line of code for if uh, someone asks about Serb. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Becky. Sorry. Also, I find it hilarious that you have the quintessential white girl name or how relieved do you feel that Karen took your spot I was just about to say that (laughs) (laughs) it's probably such a hack joke by now but honestly people don't bring it up that much and and you know what this speaks to how unmixed our spaces are (laughs) in Canadian comedy Mm -hmm. which we are discussing big time now um Mm. how do I feel about it it, I absolutely was like, oh, wow, somehow Karen snuck in there and <laughs> Becky's <laughs> off the hook. <laughs> um, the It's like I'm old enough to have been through so many waves of this, like in the mainstream, Sir mm-hmm. Mix-a-Lot being the first one that I remember. Oh, yeah. Becky, look at her butt. Oh, my God, Becky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so 
Yeah, I feel like, sure, I, I get that this is like a call out of privilege and I should take it. But then I also think about like little girls named Becky and Karen and little black girls named Becky and Karen. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah I, I go to that spot of like, maybe just choose a word that's not someone's name because, you know. Yeah. Little, yeah. little girls have these names. Uh, yeah, I, or I feel like we should put out a PSA, don't name your black, from here on out, don't name your black daughters, Karen. <laughs> Or Becky. <laughs> or Becky. Great. We, so then I can just have an absolutely like solidified Adolf as a name. <laughs> yeah. There was a, someone on Twitter. Um, I'm not sure if it was a friend of mine or, you know, it always gets muddled of who's your actual friend on Twitter and who's just someone who doesn't know who you are, but you're a fan <laughs> of them. <laughs> you know, that right. confusion. So but, there's yeah. someone that posted and it's a black, is a black guy named Kyle. And he's oh. like what is the male what are I, he's like i really hope they don't come out with a male version of karen or no oh, it wasn't no. like that but oh oh no the government's calling um i <laughs> <laughs> think they think that i frauded sir <laughs> um it's such well, a old timey ring too <laughs> okay it's gonna be like one more ring yeah, this that is should good. Be the last one. Um, we really get to invite people into our homes now yeah. in quarantine. <laughs> it's always the phone always rings when I'm in a meeting or on a call, so I feel like I need I need a script for that. You have a home phone? Um, yeah, my dad does. So do I, and it rings during the podcast. And we have like a obviously we have like an old rotary phone, so it just sounds like people don't know what's happening anymore. Mm. Yeah, we need to get rid of landlines. If there's one thing that we come out of this quarantine, there's a couple of things. I want us to come out of this quarantine with uh, racism behind us. Great. Uh, no landlines. And I want to have a big ass. Like, that's the one thing that I wanted from the beginning of this. You want to have a big ass? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How's it going? It's actually coming along. It was just crazy. Because I wanted one for so long. <laughs> and now in quarantine, like all the eating and now that I'm with family and my family, God bless them. They, they love to cook and they are amazing cooks. And my sister loves to bake every day. She's been my, my brother's laughing every day. My, my <laughs> sister bakes something new and she got this new cookbook and she's making all these crazy recipes like um ricotta orange cookies and oh my when we saw when we saw the recipe we're like ricotta cheese and a cookie oh, let's, yeah yeah let's see and then both me and my dad who like we're all jamaican you know jamaicans are very suspicious of of tastes and things that we're not used to because we pretty much have a good handle on what tastes good so right when we hear these cookies like Ugh. and then we had it and we're like all across the board our whole family said these are the best cookies we've ever ever had ever it was like a fluffy cloud cake of a cookie the ricotta did that yeah yeah the cheese can add some nice fluff in there and also baked goods really good way to pack on some pounds yeah and so like the my butt's getting a little bit bigger i mean no one's around to see it like no one that's not my family is around to see it um but i'm hopeful <laughs> oh yeah hope that's what we're supposed to be talking about <laughs> we got there that's my mom's name actually hope yeah she gets so many because also she works with a lot of 
well, she works in a branch of the Canadian government. She's not uh-huh. one of the people that calculates CERB, so don't come <laughs> calling me or calling her. But she she calculates Canada pension and some other things that people get. Um, so she works around a lot of, you know, older people, a lot of white people, and they make the same hack jokes to her all the time. Like, they call her hopeless. Like, their Ew. nicknames are, like, hopeless. Um, what's another one? Not They never call her hopeful. But a hopeless. lot of people call her hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mother-in-law's name is... I wonder if she listens. If you do. Hello, Macho. Her name is um, Maite. M a y t e. M a m a y t e. M a y t e. Yeah. Oh, like it's. I would if I were looking at that phonetically, I would think mate. Yeah, right? mate. Or anyway, she. I found out like years ago that she. They kind of pronounce it like mighty sometimes, and that oh, she was being called no. mighty mouse at work. I was, I was just like, about to say that. Why? I know, but like, just for years and years, it's like, yeah. You've been next to this woman forever. Learn her name. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard, you know? But I fell in love with her son. I made a commitment. Yeah. My, anglophone, my anglophone mouse figured it out. Yeah. It's weird, like, because it, it's kind of a weird spot because with names, I feel that nicknames are great because it really solidifies that bond and it shows that you care about a person beyond just their surface level. Like, you actually... Yeah plan on speaking to them again so in that way i think nicknames are good but like with me all the nicknames that i got because a lot of nicknames are based on like how your name is odd or or weird so like my name janelle has an h in there and like all my high school teachers would be like janelle like they knew that the h was silent like you don't do that when you're talking about jaja gabor you're not being like gabor yeah so like i didn't have a problem with it because like it didn't really upset me, but it's like, come on, man. Like, at least let's be creative. Like, at least in college, I had uh, some of my, <laughs> this group of uh, some of my friends would call me Janel. <laughs> <laughs> that I actually thought was funny. Even though people yeah, would hear also, me like, whoa. If it's your friend, it's different than someone just being like, looking at your name and being like, I'm just going to, I don't care about this. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just going to do whatever with this information. Yeah. Um, is there anything that's making you feel hopeful or giving you hopeful re- hope right now? Or how do you feel about even the concept at the moment? Of hope? Well, yeah. my mom, every day when I call her, <laughs> <laughs> they, I get that dose in, yeah. in there. Um, I should probably just call her hope instead of mom. Mom sucks. Um, it depends. Moms don't always like that. Oh, my mom would hate if I called her by her name. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Especially if I called her by her nickname, her Jamaican nickname, which is Hopi. She hates that. That's, That's the one she hates the most. Even oh, more okay. than Hopeless. But anyways, enough about her. Uh, <laughs> what's giving me hope is... Damn, I'm thinking in my mind, I totally thought of... The question in my head was something different now that I'm realizing what my answer was. <laughs> answer the question in your head. What was the question in your head? I was thinking because, um, oh, and this sounds disgusting. And I don't mean to plug my podcast. but Do it. In, Fucking do it. In my podcast, which is on hiatus right now, but we're hoping to bring it back. Uh, at the end of each episode, it's not the same theme as this. It's about failure and desperation. So uh-huh. at the end of that episode, in, in the end of every episode, we ask the guest, 
what's because after we get them to spill on all the things that made them embarrassed and feel like failures we ask them what's something that's giving you comfort right now so in my head I thought that that was the question (laughs) so I was thinking what instead of what's making me hopeful what's giving me comfort right now yeah 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 let's answer that yeah and that for me is anything that like a forced relaxation and by that, I don't mean meditation, even though I do have a lot of guided meditations on YouTube, because mm-hmm. I have a history of a lot of sleep disorders, uh, including night terrors, uh, night terrors, nightmare disorder, which is a disorder where most of your dreams are nightmares. I've had that since mm-hmm. childhood. Um, I used to have sleepwalking, sleep talking, sleep eating. Um, oh, my gosh. And the... Up until now, like sleep eating was the only thing I would do. And sleep eating, I just do that when I'm stressed. And I trained myself in in New York. I have a snack bin in my room. I trained myself to know that the snacks are in that bin so I wouldn't sleepwalk out of my room. And oh my God. so when I half wake up, I would just go to that bin and sleep eat only the snacks from that bin. So I'm like, wow, my subconscious is such a genius. Um, <laughs> but... Up until now, that was the only thing I had. But now with all of the, everything that's going on, even my – oh, I also have narcolepsy, the way you uh, fall asleep all the time. So now I'm actually not sleeping through the night anymore. Like I wake up so often. Like I yeah. just can't sleep through the night. And um, so guided meditations, that was actually what cured my nightmare disorder – and my sleepwalking, like when I really? would go, yeah, when I would go to bed listening to YouTube, listening to a meditation or something like that, and something about it would calm my mind and like prep my subconscious to not act out when I'm sleeping. So, whoa, uh, have you heard of ASMR? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes. However, <laughs> you say it. absolutely. I'm not, I don't think I'm a pro ASMR person. This <laughs> just takes practice. Um, ASMR is something that I have experienced since before it became a fad or before it became a big thing. I remember yeah. I've been experiencing ASMR. For anyone who's listening that doesn't know, auto meridian sensory response, it's where you – uh, feel a tingling feeling in your brain, like in your skull. Yeah. You feel a tingling feeling that's usually triggered by uh, audio, uh, audio or visual stimuli. So for me, my triggers are they they come and go because sometimes you can get desensitized to some. Um, but common triggers for everyone is like whispering, tapping on certain things, certain sounds personal attention for me because i've personal been sorry personal attention What's yeah that mean? so like someone teaching you something so for me oh. it started out when i was little and like a te- i had this teacher who had this glitter wand and she would write things on the easel and she'd point at each word so deliberately to teach oh. us and and anytime i had a reading buddy Anytime my reading buddy would read to me, I would get that feeling as well. Um, or anytime anyone is instructing me or showing me how to do something in a calm, deliberate manner, um, it would do that too. So I remember 
thinking like, and then I got older and I was still having it. And there was, this is like pre Google. And I remember when Google first came out and I was so scared of this. Cause I'm like this tingly feeling, you know, I'd never done any drugs or anything. So I'm like, what is this tingly feeling? Do I have a brain tumor? Because I, <laughs> I was also a kid with childhood anxiety. So mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a brain, this may be a brain tumor and I don't want to go to the doctor, get it checked out because I already know it is one. <laughs> and, right. I, I know that feeling. <laughs> if so, I don't go, then I don't have to know and I get to live longer. Exactly. Very, very deep brain spiral. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I love how you get it. Uh, yeah. So with that, I'm like, you know what? This is just what I have. So Google came out and one of my first searches was tingling, feeling in brain when, and then at the time there was one website and it was like, it looks like it was like a GeoCities uh, word, like OG word. Yep. What was what was live journal or whatever was popping at the time? Yeah. Um, it looked like one of those sites, but it was, it was someone outlining the triggers, calling it ASMR and saying, we're starting to do some research on this, but we're just trying to get people to, you know, submit their experiences or trying to get funding for this and blah, blah, blah. And then somewhere in between that and YouTube, it just became this sensation. And then NPR um started doing episodes about and just blew up and now it's so oversaturated that i'm so desensitized to a lot of it now so there's only a few asm artists our asm artists as they call them whoa i didn't know that mm -hmm. there's only a few that actually do give me tingles still and it's down it's like i don't need you don't choose why so it's just yeah it just comes down to something in the tone in their voice also just some people are really really good at it like this one person um she goes by karuna satori that's her her youtube name and she she just is so everything she does like she had like pen light so personal attention a lot of youtube videos are like role play in in the most innocent way so like a mm-hmm. role play like a face uh, <laughs> so or like uh you're going to a spa like a spa right. role play so they'll take the cotton pads out and then they'll wipe down the camera so it looks and feels <laughs> like they're wiping it sounds so dumb like they're wiping no it's interesting face. actually you explaining this also makes me understand because i've watched some of them and i'm like why are they always being like i'm gonna clean your teeth or something yeah and it's like a dentist role play hairdresser role play where they take like they have hair beside the camera so like they have the scissors and they're snipping the hair and you see the hair falling but that one never works for me because it's they always use like this wig they always use like the cheapest wig i'm like this doesn't look like my hair this is completely breaking the fourth wall (laughs) we need some black textured hair for these for these role blades so it's just like all those role plays do it for me because there's this other asm artist uh she's this korean woman and she goes by latte that's just her name and she seeing her growth over these years she's really put a lot of quality into her production value like every month like now it's so cinematic so even if i don't get tangles i just i just have to you have to stand like it's she does it so well and like it's like an episode of uh 
Mr. Rogers or something like that, where they'll zoom in on, like, it'll be a shot of her tea and then a shot of other things in the background and the focus and the quality is so crisp and clear. And uh, some of these ASMRs really know what they're doing. They have all the props. They have this light pen light, this one girl, peace and sorority. This is getting real deep inside baseball ASMR. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm really into it. And uh, she has these uh, water globes. Water sounds is one of the ones that's a trigger for me. So she'll like oh. if you're like shaking a bottle of water and the boop, 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 like that sound. Ugh, something about sounds. I'm very I'm very triggered by sounds, and I think that's why like even in the past, like people that I've dated, <laughs> I was talking about this with someone the other day that voice is a big thing for me. Like they have to have the, a kind of voice that you enjoy kind of bless you um that was my <laughs> that was the the government on the phone oh um, wow <laughs> they're, they're allergic to all the fraudsters out there um <laughs> they uh, what was i saying oh wait we're getting into now I, I, how can i not remember <laughs> oh no it was we're about so relaxed <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I'm like, maybe your voice is my relaxation. Um, you were talking about like dating people. And oh, voice. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't know. That's the thing. I, I wish I knew what type of voice. It's just like when I hear it, I know if it's a comforting voice or not. And it has to feel like a safe voice. Do you have like synesthesia? I don't think I do. I, I wish I did. It feels like you have a lot of these these things that, it, like... Yeah, it feels like I'm scratching the surface of it, but I just didn't go all the way into full synesthesia. Because, you know, uh, uh, Ali, P- do you know Ali Pierce, comedian Ali Pierce from Toronto? She has synesthesia, and it is her version... Version probably isn't the word, but her... How her synesthesia manifests is the most interesting thing I've ever heard. And so much that I have to, all the time when I check in with her about it, I have to be like, okay, can you check me? Let me know if this is like really insensitive. Like if this is the ability version of like a black girl saying, don't touch my hair. Like, cause this is an actual brain right. thing with her. So I'm like, please right. let me know if I'm like way out of line with how I'm talking about it. But she, she's like, no, that's okay. So her version of synesthesia is that she knows how names, she tastes names. Yeah. So she, anytime she hears a name, she knows what it tastes like. And the funniest thing is when I asked her, so I'm like, wait, so you just, she's like, it's just so automatic. And it's so crazy to me that everyone else doesn't know. And the I, and I know she's not making this up. Cause I thought like, yeah, cause if, if it were anyone else, they'd be like, okay, you're doing this for a bit or for like some, you're trolling. But the first time she told me about it and immediately she's like, I already know Janelle's marshmallows. Like, it's just so obvious to me, Janelle's marshmallows. <laughs> and so I'm like, wait, what is it? Like, is it the, the word of the food sounds like the name? She's like, no, it's not that at no. all. It's the taste. Like I can taste the name. And I'm like, that's so crazy. So then a couple months ago, she did something on her Facebook, not on her Facebook, on her Instagram Live, where she was having anybody come in and submit their name and she would tell you what your name tastes like. <laughs> and so I sent it to her again to see if I could catch her being like, because if she told me a different food, then I'd be like, hmm. Immediately she said marshmallows. 
she's like, I remember Janelle is Marshalls. Like, and I'm like, we know you this. told me that the first time. I know you're not lying. <laughs> and then it's so funny because different versions of different names will be different. So like, I think she said, Daniel is spaghetti and Dan is bananas. <laughs> like this is great i find it so um, amusing like that is a version of asmr to me like i could just listen to her listing off names and what they taste like and i wish i had that like i would love that type of because she's because uh, i always ask her i'm like when are you gonna talk about this on stage and it's kind of like because when i used to talk about my asmr or like all my sleep disorders people would be like oh my god why don't you talk about your sleep eating or your whatever and i'm like i just don't yeah. know how to make it funny because it's just so real for me it's it's like normal yeah i haven't found like where it's amusing um but i'm sure like to other people it's just i need to find the angle and that was pretty much the same thing that ali was saying she's like it's just so normal to me yeah and then it becomes like a party trick like i guess you could do crowd work where you tell everyone what their names taste like but like yeah eh, maybe i don't know and oh yeah you don't want to become the like tasting names (laughs) comic so i get where she's coming from with that the the tasting names (laughs) like like uh at conventions comment <laughs> you know which you know what i have okay first of all i do have sleep paralysis as well but it doesn't happen Ooh. very often and it's horrible it's the worst it's the worst and it's it never so no matter how many times it happens to you it always feels like the first time it always feels like a demon's coming to get you and the other one i what have is, is a demon um, coming to get you didn't you know that becky <laughs> yes, I do. I also do know that i know both i honestly are we on the same page that we kind of think that it might be possible I mean, uh, Kevin Garnett said anything is possible, so I believe him. Yeah. But also uh, maybe he's a demon. Who knows? Oh, God. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other one I have is violence. When I see violence, um, I get a specific sensation in my arms. Wait, say that one more time? When I see violence, like, there's a feeling (laughs) I get in my arms. That is so bad for me to laugh at that. No. Uh, I mean, it's... I'm just imagining you, like, winding up, being like, oh, I oughta. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite like that. But, like, like, so violent movies are really difficult for me to watch because my arms are going crazy. And they they feel, I mean, whatever. They just feel a certain way. And it, I I look that up. (laughs) And it's potentially some form of synesthesia, but it happens with cartoons. <laughs> Wait. So if you're watching like uh, Looney Tunes and the anvil yeah. is dropping on Road Roadrunner and Coyote and the anvil is dropping, your arms are like going crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because it's also in cartoons, it's only sometimes, but like Rick and Morty is really hard to watch. <laughs> Because they're constantly shooting people's heads off. And it hurts. It hurts me. Oh, my God. I, I, like, okay, I feel bad for laughing about because this is an actual, like, a neurological... No, you're allowed to laugh. Disorder, that it's is so weird. And, like, when I'm watching with my... When I'm watching with my husband at home, I'll be like, that... I felt that one. <laughs> I really can't watch... I can't watch football. <laughs> hilarious because people that don't know what you're actually feeling and you're like man i really feel it they're like what is wrong with you like if they probably think that you're like white womaning it up to the max being like this it hurts me i can't take it yeah oh at the movies when i go to a movie theater if it's a really violent film like it's hard to control my body (laughs) i know 
So I'm imagining you in like Django Unchained. Oh God, your body's going crazy. People are like, man, this woman is so racist. And you're right about the white woman thing too, because like that whole like that whole like um. Not that I feel like people are judging me, but like that whole like, I also have to stop looking (laughs) so that my body, so it is like I'm making a big dramatic like. (laughs) Making it about you. I can't, I can't, but like, I can't. (laughs) And the thing is that, because you never know when violence is going to pop up and violence is one of the most common tropes or like narrative devices. So it's like. Wait, so are your <laughs> Well, so your your arms like are they flailing or do you just feel no. like a pins and no, no, needles? No. no, no. They're not but they're not flailing around like Popeye punches like you said. They're yeah. like but it's are they like vibrating? Um, n- no, but they can like they can kind of tense um in a way that I can't control. And and then also the other thing is that it is like a tingly kind of Sometimes in a bit of it gets to be painful, but like I'll hold my arms like I'm cold. <laughs> so oh. again, again, making it about me or doing the thing, but it's <laughs> and looking away from the screen and looking down a lot and stuff like that. That sounds like the opposite of ASMR. This sounds like if ASMR were a gift from an angel, like this is a gift from Satan. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> your arms get you like that must be infuriating because that almost is like sleep paralysis where no one can see what's happening to you but you're watching these violent things and your arms feel like they're going crazy yeah like oh my god like that actually like aside from i know i just like laughed until i almost uh (laughs) choked please we need to laugh about fucking something right now (laughs) but like if i had that yeah, that would be t- that, that's tough, like going through because it's like you know they had all those documentaries of people with um, well narcolepsy too because I don't have the severe form of narcolepsy where you're falling asleep mid conversation. But if you've ever watched those documentaries where people will just be talking and falling asleep constantly, and people yeah. like laugh at that, and when yeah. I like actually think about it because I can relate to it, I'm like, but man, like imagine how like it's the actual it's the true definition of a disability which is it's something that impedes the quality of your life like you can't even be present in any moment because you'll just essentially pass out oh yeah type one narcolepsy is so dangerous because it's like you can pass out while you're cutting up food with a big sharp knife yeah so that's so you have type two narcolepsy yeah i don't i don't think my doctor ever classified it as like a type one or type two type of thing but it's just like more it's not a severe form of narcolepsy but it's enough to impede my life like how I was diagnosed was I did a daytime latency test which is they wake you up in the morning and then they tell you to stay awake for two hours and then after the two hours you have to take a 15 minute nap they wake you up again and then you stay awake for another two hours then you take another 15 nap and they repeat that throughout the day so with me I just could not physically stay awake for the two hours and at one point I thought I was tricking like I thought I was so smart because it's (laughs) and my mom has narcolepsy too so she both like we can both relate to it because it's my best so with narcolepsy for me it's not falling asleep I don't just fall asleep but it's like imagine how you feel when you pull an all-nighter and you don't get any sleep just feeling like that 
all the time. Like just, and a lot of people that have other conditions like thyroid issues or whatever the condition is that have excessive uh, daytime sleepiness or other fatigue disorders, like that's what it is. So it's like you can't function, you don't feel on top of anything because no matter how much sleep you get, you just don't feel rested. And for me, my doctor said that it was likely because of my history of sleepwalking, talking, eating, because my brain is so active at night that I'm right. not really get. I think I'm getting eight hours sleep, but really it's like three. So yeah. um, with with that test, like, so my mom and I, when we sometimes, because when I wasn't taking any medication for it, sometimes I, I would call her crying and say like, I just slept the whole entire day. And I, I remember crying one time I called her. I'm like, I feel like I'm sleeping my life away. Yeah. And then she's like, I totally get what you, but my mom is like so chill about everything. She's like, why are you feeling bad about that? I woke up at eight and then slept and woke up. Like, she's like, who cares? But I'm like, I care. Cause I, like, I feel like I'm missing so many things in life because I just need to sleep. Like even so many times I've, uh, not bailed, but like I've, yeah, I guess kind of bailed, bailed on friends where they're like, oh, hey, are you coming to this thing? I'm like, yeah. And then I'll shower and then feel the just overwhelming need to lie down face first on my bed in my towel. <laughs> and then they're like, where are you? <laughs> then, then that's it. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I remember even like the diagnosis was actually so relieving because telling my friends like Marito, who you, you had on the show, yeah. Marito, Aisha Brown. I remember we used to have meetings for projects we were working on and I would be like, okay, great talk guys. We're really, we're really making some headway. Um, can I just like sit down on this couch, like in a slightly reclined, like slightly lying down? I'm not going to fall asleep. Just like, let me, can I just lie down? And they'd be like, okay, Janelle, you're going to fall asleep. And um, so then finally, when I found this out, I'm like, guys, I have narcolepsy. It's not that I'm just like, this lazy person that doesn't want you. So it was relieving in that way. But so, okay. So this, this daytime latency test, um, my mom and I both say like for anyone that doesn't experience that level of fatigue is that it's equivalent to, so it's always the worst upon waking up. So in the morning, so when you wake up, imagine your alarm has already gone off five times and you know, usually you have an obligation like work or school or something. Janelle, this is me. You're describing me. I, it's so hard to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. My but, whole life. But it's like there's not even a word in the English language that describes how hard it is. Like mm-hmm. I, me and my mom, we always say the same thing. I think I said it to her first or either she – maybe she said it to me. We're like it's – it literally, like not even an exaggeration, if someone were to come in the house and have a gun to my head and be like – if you don't get up right now and wake up and go get ready, I'm going to kill everyone in your family, everyone that you love and you. And I would be like, oh, man. <laughs> and then Five more minutes, please. <laughs> and then have everyone murdered. Like that's how like I just would still not be able to get up. So in that daytime test, I'm like. Like I kept on falling asleep and then they they had an intercom in the room where they'd be like okay, you have to stay up, you have to stay up. And I'm like, damn it. I'm like, I physically, I'm like, I can't, like, I can't stay up. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can trick them. Stupid. Like, this is a test for my benefit, but I'm still trying to, like, I'm trying to, like, get one over on them. So I, um, there's cameras on the ceiling. You're hooked up to everything. There's cameras on the ceiling and everywhere in the room. So I, one of my narcolepsy skills that I've developed over time is being able to sleep 
with my eyes open. And oh so many times I fall asleep with my eyes open. So I'm like, hmm. So I had a book with me. So the camera was like <laughs> one of those dome cameras from the ceiling. So I'm like, from yep. the angle of that camera, if I have my book out and I can relax my eyes so that they're slightly open and it looks like I'm reading this book, then I'm good. Like it looks like I'm reading and the cameras will think that I'm just reading. And so I'm like, yes, my weekend at Bernie, like I was weekend at Bernie-zing myself. And then, so I'm like, yes. So I started doing that. And then all of a sudden I hear Miss Dennis, Miss Dennis, you have to stay awake. You have to stay awake. I'm like, what? How do they keep every time I kept trying to do it? I kept trying to like open my eyes wider and they would still be on to me. I'm like, what the hell? And then I realized because I'm hooked up, all the all the things are hooked up to my brain waves. So they literally see me like sitting up reading while my brain waves are conking out, like flatlining. <laughs> so they know that I'm sleeping. I love this idea that you are trying to like Homer Simpson trick your own <laughs> medical diagnosis. <laughs> and so like after, yeah, they, they were onto me and um, they're like, do whatever you need to do, whether it's like get up, walk around the room, whatever. And it felt like torture. Like it, it's such like a first world problem, but I'm like, it felt like I was being tortured. And yeah. I, but then when it came time to be like, okay, your two hours is up now time for you to take a 15 minute nap. And the, the doctor would come in and he'd, he'd prep you and say, okay, try, you know, do your best to try to fall asleep. And this is like during the middle of the day too. So making it seem like it was going to be a hard feat, like do your best to try to fall asleep. And mm. as soon as I, my head hit the pillow, like throughout my whole entire life, I never had that that I don't know what it's called, like a refractory period or some type of period where it takes you to fall asleep, like where your head's on the pillow and you're trying to fall asleep. I've never had that. As soon as my head is on the pillow, like I'm gone. So apparently, so then when I got my results back, it showed that the average time that I would fall asleep every single time when it was time for me to take a nap was in one to two minutes. And the the longest time that it took me to fall asleep being like at the end of the day, like at 5 p.m. where they'd already been doing that over and over and over um it took like five minutes so i'm like oh okay and then my doctor explained to me that any the normal time that you should be fall, that it takes for a human to fall asleep is eight minutes yeah so they're like anything below eight minutes is definitely narcolepsy territory and definitely below three minutes so i'm like oh man because it's like that's what your brain is always trying to do it's just always one hair away from just being like peace i'm out i had the most terrible sleep last night like one of the worst ones in a very long time do you think that the demons came for me because we were gonna talk (laughs) definitely they oh no do you know the demon's name is is no uh, do you know your demon's name lucy you do i think my my demon's name is lucy Wow. No, I don't. It's just like a scary force either sitting on me or standing in the corner of the room. It's very, very scary. Yeah. To be honest with you, like all jokes aside, I've never had that um, demon part of the sleep paralysis. Like it's just me being scared and then I wake up. But I do constantly have the thing where I wake up and then it feels like the world. But this is my night terror. It feels like the world is ending and I never have any context besides that it's Armageddon and the world is ending. And I run to like a room, the a door in a room or a window, and then I snap out of it. Well, how's that feeling now? 
interestingly enough, I haven't had that now. So I think we're here. We've done it. My subconscious is caught up with real life, uh, what's going on in real life. It also doesn't really feel like the world's ending, does it? It actually feels like some very, very scary, very awful stuff is happening, but like it can, it's potentially transformative. Yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned that, um, one of the things I used to feel deep down, wow, and I've never really spoken about this, but having those reoccurring night terrors with the same theme, a part of me used to feel like, am I going to actually be a part of the end of the world or some mm. type of war or something like that. And I'm like, wait, like, is this premonition? So right now with everything that's happening, I'm like, maybe this was the thing. So I really yeah. don't have anything to be scared about. Yeah, I'm having a weird feeling like this year going into it, um, I was like, there's something, it just, this year felt like there was something coming Yeah, to me. Wow. Like the end of last year felt like, it's just like something's got to give. I think, and that was, I think, part of the reason of starting this podcast, maybe, was trying to figure that out. But, like, it's interesting to see that all this upheaval and change and, like, really big stuff going on, statues falling into rivers really strikes me. It's like, that just happened, like, in a week. We just, we did that. We didn't have to keep fucking talking about it. We did it. Let's just do it. I mean, I didn't do it, but it was done. (laughs) Nike did it. (laughs) Yeah, we, Nike just did it. (laughs) But, yeah, like... And I guess I don't quite know how to articulate it, but it's like something is happening on a very big spiritual level right now, it feels like. Yeah. I don't know quite. How do you relate to spirituality? Oh, yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say maybe because I've always been a huge fan of the X-Men and something about Mm. people having their gifts that can all be used to some type of – towards some type of positive outcome. That's always been a a storyline or narrative that I never – get tired well actually no i'm totally lying there's so many shows that i don't watch <laughs> uh that have that same theme so okay just x-men and um, no, but it stays it sticks you mean it sticks with you as a theme right like, yeah. yeah uh so it's, it's really funny to me thinking of like everyone's weird things that could be their power like your aversion your physical aversion to violence like imagine someone like you watching these police brutality videos where and then someone that's advocating like someone that's close to you being like this isn't just hurting black people this is hurting my white loved one and then that (laughs) being the catalyst in change i don't want that to have to be the catalyst for change (laughs) i know it's it's so gross but imagine though it's also kind of it's just yeah we all have our things and so many people are having panic attacks right now like yeah. so many people that I know are having panic attacks for the first time. Like they've dealt yeah. with anxiety, yeah. but now they're like, oh my God, it feels like I'm dying. And then all of us other panic attack people are like, welcome to the club. Come with us. We'll hold your hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's also like. We'll call 911 together. It's also for like, sure. um, it's like d- sitting in discomfort, that idea. But it's like, you could be having panic attacks. Some There's many, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but like, you know. Sometimes we're having panic attacks when we're just processing really difficult things. And like, yeah. or that's okay. We yeah. might need to process those things. It, processing it even subconsciously and not consciously. Because, oh, I guess, I think we're running out of time, but um, just this one quick last thing. Um, last year, for like a month or a couple weeks, I couldn't feel my left arm. I guess this oh is gosh. like, not your thing, but yeah, I just couldn't feel my left arm. And 
I was like, is this stroke related or heart attack related? I started getting really scared. And um, then my boss at the time, he's just like, are you stressed? And I was like, no, I'm totally fine. Like, what? I'm totally fine. Even though I guess there were things that I was thinking about that I kind of like pushed to the side where I'm like, no, everything's working out fine. But I never really processed what I needed to process. Yeah. And um, he's like, oh, okay, well, glad to hear you're fine. But the same thing happened to me one time and they found out it was stress. But, you know, everyone's different. I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, then I went to go, I went to Toronto, free healthcare, went to go see the doctor and he was like, okay, well, your pulse is strong. So it's nothing to do with your blood pressure or anything like that. Um, he did some other like physical testings or whatever and he's like it's not carpal tunnel because of how my muscles were working and so he's like I think it's a pinch nerve like from your neck or in your shoulder that you're so tense that it's pinching off your nerves so it's blocking the sensation that you're feeling into your skin and I'm like oh and then the thing so I guess um now I can talk about it but at the time I was very stressed about my uh visa and immigration status in in the country um, and I, cause I had, I needed to do my interview and I really didn't think like, I just had all these like worst case scenarios of me being deported and like, what, what was I going to do? And my life is going to be over, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. it was all in the back of my head. Once I went and did that interview and got my visa, it completely went away. Wow. And then during quarantine, it came back. I'm like, damn, ghost shoulder. Ghost, <laughs> ghost shoulder. Well, you know what else on this topic of mutants that I think is uh, just a thought that I had from listening to you talk was like, we're all mutants, right? We're all mutants in our own way. Yeah. And we're in a moment that's sort of saying, and and this has been sort of slowly building, but also just saying like, whoever you are, however you've come out into this world, you're okay and you have something to contribute. And we're really trying to shift that conversation right now. Mm. That feels like a bit of a mutant conversation because everybody's a mutation, right? Everyone. Yeah. Genetic mutations. That's it. We're all just genetic mutations. Yeah. Maybe we should have people email the show and with their own mutations and then we'll put together a list and we'll go out there. Actually, no, that doesn't, doesn't have a good history. Usually when, when. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Good intentions. But yeah, these things can go in bad directions. Yeah. Um, Janelle, where can people find you online? Oh, online, you can find me at Janelle Dennis on Instagram. My account's private there, but if the only reason it's private is because of, you know, uh, my work and some people will add me for reasons that are completely ridiculous or kind of like very overstepping. So, um, you know, if, if you request to add me on Instagram, just like shoot a message and be like, Hey, I heard you. I just pretty much want to weed out all the bots and people that I don't, I can't verify. I'm just very paranoid in that way. So if you just say like, Hey, I heard you on this thing, then yeah. Um, and then Twitter, same thing, Janelle Dennis, my name, that's the one beauty about having a uniquely spelled name is that you have the monopoly on all the social media handles. Yeah, Becky Johnson doesn't have that. <laughs> You're kidding. Um, I'm crazy. too late. I'm way too late to the party on TikTok. I don't know what my name's going to be. <laughs> I can't even come close. Yeah, it's even gonna have all a bunch the short of, I think forms are gone. Like, Beck Johnson, forget it. That's taken. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm Johnson Becky on, like, 
on like Instagram and Twitter. And that's huge. That means I got in on the ground floor because there's a lot of us out there. Yeah. And that means that you were creative and smarter than the rest of the Becky Johnsons, which must make you feel good about yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. I want to be the best <laughs> Becky Johnson. I, no, actually, I know another Becky Johnson in the Toronto comedy scene. That's how what? many of us there are. Wow. Yeah. Rivalry. <laughs> Cat fight. Yeah. Blonde v. Brunette, 2020. No, she's lovely. Um, all right, dude. Yeah, thank you so much for talking to me. This oh, thank was wonderful. You. Yeah, I, that was, oh my God, I still can't believe your arm thing. That's, I'm going <laughs> to take that with me for the rest of my life. I'm really going to do, I have to research that later. Because I, I want to, yeah. this is like my new synesthesia obsession. Harriet the Spiet. Wait, are you still recording? Yes. Should I stop? Okay, I think... Yeah, we can just say goodbye, and so I can edit that in. (laughs) Okay, bye, Janelle. (laughs) Bye. The H Word Podcast is a proud member of the Shop family of productions. Follow the shop on Instagram at the shop underscore TO. Artwork this week by Ian Phillips, and our theme music, as always, by Laura Barrett. For information on all our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at the H Word Pod. Or sign up for our newsletter at thehwordpod.com. Mm-hmm.